Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Matt Offenbacher. We're here in the AES studio, to which we may have, well, we are going to be moving, and we'll have another one to sit in. Maybe a little nicer, we'll see, but either way... Matt, how are you today? Not too bad. How are you? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. We're back on the series of the Why Matt Hate series, which I think is extremely comical, but yet I think there's a lot of value to be taken from it. And so another thing that Matt hates is linear swell meters. Matt, what in the world is that? I don't even know what it is. Well, I'm going to run you through it, but I want to qualify that I don't believe I'm a toxic person. (laughs) I just take issue with certain things. So yeah, to the linear swell meter. So shale testing is tough, okay? So when you're trying to find out how a fluid is going to interact with reactive, dispersive, you know, whatever kind of clay you're encountering. And so the difficulty has led to the desire to do very basic tests and they frustrate me. And- The linear swell meter is probably one of the more frustrating ones because it's just complicated enough to be annoying to run, and yet it's sort of accepted and expected that you do it. And so a linear swell meter, and we're prominently talking about water-based mud here, right? Oil-based mud, this is for swelling, as in linear swell implies. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't expect oil-based mud to do anything. But what you do is you basically grind up cuttings or whatever, a representative clay bentonite, and you compress it into a pellet. And then you put it in a cell and you expose to fluid, but there's this linear transducer sitting on top of the pellet. So if it expands, mind you, it's in a cylinder, the only way it can go is up. Mm. So when it swells, this transducer can measure very fine movements, vertical movement. And so we do fluid exposure versus time and the percent swelling from baseline when you started the test. Gotcha. So you might do this, you might do this with water as your baseline, you might do it with oil for a comparison, and then you might do like 3% KCL, 14% KCL, something with an amine, like and just kind of compare a few and say, you know, this one is less worse or <laughs> you know, look, we're seeing a lot, it's responding really well to this product. So it appears. So anyways, it's fairly basic, I think, you know, and I think it's something people can sort of get. So I think that's the big draw. And I'm not, we have a linear swell meter. We have four linear swell meters in our lab. So I'm not saying this test isn't ever run. It doesn't mean I would never recommend it. I just don't like it. Okay. Well, I mean, I have my own thoughts as to why, but why don't you tell us why you don't like it very much? So I think first and foremost, just like sample preparation is you got to compress these things into this pellet under high pressure and it takes a lot of time and if you ask it thankfully i have perhaps advanced enough in my career that i don't have to ever prepare another linear swell meter pellet (laughs) however there are poor folks in our company that do and i feel for them because of how frustrating it is to try and make these things up Mm. you basically if you've ever run a ppa or ppt or whatever you want to call it 
if you're trying to, you'll use the hydraulic pump to pressure up to a couple thousand PSI for overbalance pressure. This uses the same hydraulic pump to mm. pressure up and compress that pellet. But the interesting thing about this is if the pellets themselves still have some air space in them. So you might start the test and as that air kind of expands and wants to pop its way out, it actually can show up like swelling. Mm. So, I mean, there's published papers where it shows like, hey, fresh water is more inhibitive than potassium chloride. <laughs> and you're like, I know that's not right. Which then calls into question every other test you ran, right? Because it did have bubbles in the other one. So that's kind of, you know, the frustration there. And then, you know, at the end of the day, the goal of this is to say, okay, can I drill this well? Do I have the right products in there at the right concentrations to effectively drill the well? And the problem is the test doesn't tell you that. Mm. It tells you that this swells this much less over 1,200 minutes <laughs> than the other products, what have you. You know, that's certainly frustrating because it offers this looks better than this if you were to take the formation, dry it, crush it into a pellet, and expose it to liquid. It doesn't offer anything explicitly definitive, and it's mainly measuring swelling, right? So if you have mm. a dispersive clay, or it's not going to tell you that. So it's fairly limited in what you know what you can get out of it other than this is less worse than this, which your open hold time is going to be much longer than whatever you run the test for, I promise. Right. And so you're just kind of left with some information that might be useful, but it really shouldn't be the only information. Right. And so that's probably, you know, the other part of this is you run linear swell test and then you're like, aha, I got it. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes we don't have the best material available. We might actually be kind of, I don't know, it might be leading you down a good path, but I don't think you should use it in isolation if you're really worried about a risk to a well. All of these shale tests are just, I don't know, none of them are great. Some are less worse than others. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, going back to a mud check, right? We talk about, yes, we know people run and look immediately at the plastic viscosity or the low gravity solids, but really, you know, the mud check, you need to check all the properties into account. That's why we do all those tests. Yeah. Is the, their relationship with one another. That's right. And so... When I test for shale, you know, I think we've covered this on another episode. I don't want to just run one test and say, aha, I've got it. I want to test all these other tendencies to make sure we've covered all our bases. And I think that linear swell meter is expensive enough that when somebody has it and it's annoying enough to run that when they do run it, there's a temptation to just look at that data when you probably need to run three or four more tests, at least of other types to get the big picture. And so that's another thing that makes me hate the linear swell meter is because it's the data is quantitative, which is another hard thing to get in shale testing, Yeah, which is both good and easily misleading. Right. So you mentioned, you know, don't use it in isolation. What other tests can you use to sort of supplement your findings for a linear swell meter test? You know, like a cuttings dispersion test. We'll, I mean, I'm not even afraid to do it. Granted, one of the ones we'll do is we should do an immersion test where if we have core material, we can just put it in a little glass box of fluid. Yeah. And sometimes you can, yeah, it's ambient conditions, ambient everything, but it does provide a good illustration to someone who doesn't understand how to read the good data in some of these reports mm. to say, okay, I can see that one fracturing. That's what the shale has a tendency to do. This one swells and disperses. 
This one disperses. Okay, you know, they all behave differently, but this is where our treatment needs to target is this yeah. behavior. But there's so many kind of poor tests that you kind of have to pick your poison and hope they come together and say, okay, my confidence interval is narrowing. Where right. I feel better and better that this is the right treatment for the well. There's very few, if any, tests that are practical or affordable that you can walk away with and say, aha, that told me the answer I need to know. Right. And so the linear swell meter, it is a tool in the toolbox that I will occasionally recommend, but never alone. Right. So this is primarily used when, you know, obviously you have samples, so a well's mm-hmm. been drilled, but is it to you know, kind of like, you know, help troubleshoot or optimize or fluid design or kind of all of the above? Like what's the main intent? If you have this, what are you typically doing sort of big picture? All the above. So, I mean, like right now we actually have some material and we're doing linear swell mm. on that core material specifically to help a customer with a specific concern they have. Mm-hmm. It's not the only test we're doing, by the way. But, <laughs> we're um, not using it in isolation. But part of the conversation was it was something they were interested in seeing the data for. Yeah. And the other problem with this stuff is when somebody else runs it, now you're going to compare that data, right? Like you have a quantitative value. Now I can compare another quantitative value. So I'm going to ask for it again, regardless of whether we think it might be a quality test. In this case, it's fine, but it's not the only thing we're going to run. But in fluid design, you might just take something like, you might compress bentonite into a pellet and say, well, which of these inhibitors seems to limit the swelling the most? Not the only test I run, but certainly something that can help shed some light on some behavior. But you got to run a lot of tests because sample space matters too because of those air pockets and other anomalies that might happen. Yeah. Well, what I always find interesting is I've collected a bunch of samples at the rig and then also, you know, being in the office, received samples from mud engineers. And I always find it interesting to test samples that have already been hydrated with chemical or fluid Mm -hmm. to then somehow reenact the same thing that probably has already happened, which obviously doesn't just apply to linear swell meters. But anytime you collect samples... They've already, they're not virgin samples because obviously you have to drill for them and get them out of the hole. Does the lab account for that in, in any way, shape, or form? Or I mean, so number one on our request is if you ask me, what do you need? I'll give you whatever you want. I would like slab core material preserved in wax. Yeah. You know how many times that's happened? <laughs> Once. <laughs> Actually, very recently, we joked around about making a plaque because even oh, people really? are like, oh, we have core material. You get it, and it's just garbage. You can't use it because it's dehydrated. It wasn't preserved properly, yeah. and it's useless to us because it's already failed along some of those bedding planes and other things. You can't make the same observations. Then what is practical, okay? So sometimes that is if we're drilling with oil-based mud nearby, and we can at least get cuttings that are inhibited, mm. right? So we'll try and preserve those in diesel, and you know we have procedures. The reason I always ask people, it's diesel or base oil or whatever, like, pour a bunch on top so the sample can't dehydrate. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is like, if you got a bunch of stuff, let's say you have a huge gumbo issue on the BHA or whatever. We want that like kind of scraped off because we can dry some of that and some of that that like got packed into the bit and that kind of thing. We can use that. Yeah. It's not necessarily fully hydrated. It'll still react. Gotcha. But for the most part, yeah, if you're drilling a water-based mud job and stuff comes back, it's probably not very useful to us for shale testing. You know, not to say we might not try and get some one way or another, but for the most part, we're fairly limited there. Other than, let's say we ran XRD on that. We said, okay, the mineralogy is this. Let me find an analog material. And so even when testing, 
there's actually certain clays like Arnie clay, Pierre, like there's different clays all over the world you can buy and basically use those oh. as benchmarks because their behaviors are known. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, in conclusion, Matt, how would you sum this up? I don't care for the linear swell meter. <laughs> um, and thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. But I think the important thing to be aware of is if you want to do good work, be comprehensive and ask tough questions about the way the, how much information do I actually get out of this test? Yeah. How much information do I get out of this test paired with something else? Is it more than the sum of those two parts? Synergy, if you will. Yeah. But is this the best I can do? Sometimes it's all the sample we have. Yeah, you work with what you can get. <laughs> yeah, but if we're serious and we're trying to look at the big picture, we just don't want to commit to this one test because of some of the issues with it. Right. So we could have had Lee on here and you'd get a very similar tirade, but the Scottish accent might be difficult to, you know. <laughs> yeah, when he gets fired up, he's hard to understand. Yeah. So we'll know again, good conversation, Matt. If anyone out there has any experience with this type of test, the linear swell meter test, hit us up. I mean, maybe this is the holy grail for you. And this is, you know, the best thing since pants with pockets. And you want to debate Matt on this. I would love to see it. Yeah, we could have a fiery, angry debate. (laughs) Uh, Appreciate all the support for all the listeners. We're having fun. Hopefully you are too. Oil's up. You know, hopefully spirits are up too. With that said, have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.